This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. What's up, what's up, what's going on out there, everybody in podcast land? Welcome to another episode of A Sensi Fan Talking with LP. And of course, this is LP. Hope y'all enjoyed Black History Month. Um, I believe today is the last day of Black History Month if you listen to this on Tuesday, February 28th. If not, then Black History Month has come and gone. Just like it always do, super duper fast. It just fly by. Shortest month of the year, we get that. It's messed up, but I know a black man founded it, so I mean, I can't be too salty about that. We gonna keep our um our black movie thing going for the rest of the year, though, or for as long as I can find movies that I think y'all should watch, which should be the rest of the year. I'm just saying, it's a lot of them out there, so I'm gonna make sure I keep that going for y'all. Um. A real quick snowfall recap. Um, I'll try to do that in like five minutes because I don't want to drop spoilers. And um, we got some sports stuff to talk about, man. We're going to get into um, a little bit of Damian Lillard stuff because I always felt like he'd been the man out here in these streets. Um, but first, we're going to jump into um, load management. We're going to talk about that. Now, if you don't know what load management is, it is really just a fancy term for taking an off day. You feel me? They do it a lot in the NBA. Uh, the NBA season is 82 games long, if you don't know that. And a lot of teams will decide to let the star players take a game off, especially if they're playing back-to-back games like you have one game on, like, the 5th of March and then another game on the 6th of March, like, literally back-to-back games. Um, a lot of coaches just say, you know what, superstar, motar. Go ahead and take this second game off or take this first game off. We got you. We'll try to power through. And it makes a lot of sense. A lot of people don't like it, though. A lot of analysts have been talking about it. A lot of fans get irate with these fan, with these players taking days off because the way the NBA schedule is structured, if you're an Eastern Conference team, you only play the Western Conference teams twice a piece. You feel me? And say, you, say you're say you an Indiana Pacers fan, right? You go to every Pacers game, and you want to watch LeBron play. LeBron play for the Lakers. They'll be in Indiana playing in Indianapolis exactly one time because they only play twice, home and home, you know? So you scrape up your coins. You get your paper together. You get two tickets for you and the homie. 
to go to the game in Indianapolis to see Cleve to see the Pacers play the Lakers. The Lakers decided to rest LeBron and rest Anthony Davis and rest a couple other that really um, good stars because they're like, you know, this is just one game out of 82 for us. But for the fans, it's one of one. This might be the only game they can afford to go to, but the players they want to see aren't there. You spend all this money, you know, you're like, I expect to see top-notch talent playing. And it says you get the second and third string for the entire game. I could see why people would be salty about that. I, I, I really can. I can't imagine spending all of that money and then traveling to the game from Cincinnati to Indy just to find out that LeBron's not playing, AD's hurt. You'd be salty about that. I understand that 150%. But you got to understand something. Getting mad at the player is the wrong thing to do. And I know everybody's like, these players make millions and millions and millions of dollars. You can get out there and play. You know, the fans want to see you play. You're doing this for the fans. I hate to tell you all this. I hate to be the one to spoil this for you. I'm a Cincy fan talking. You know, I'm a fan. This is what I want to see. I want to see the ballers ball and the players play. But as much as I want to feel like they're doing this for me, they're not necessarily doing this for me. You know, they're out there to play for the fans. The fans are make they make they make these players who they are. Don't get me wrong. But when you have an 82 game season and you gotta manage the bumps and bruises of the season. You got to manage the mental toll. You got to manage the traveling. You got to manage the playing. And, and I know people out there like, dude, that's why they getting paid like oodles and oodles of money a year. You know, I go to work every day and, and I ain't really making that much. Uh, My favorite one. Michael Jordan, he plays every single Miss a single game. Players back then, you know, they balled out. I'm telling you. That's a flawed argument because it was a different time in the NBA. The players have a little bit more control than the players back then. The the players now have more they have more control now than what the players did back then. You cannot tell me that as physical as the NBA was in the 90s. That if these coaches and players could have taken like low management days or like, you know, let their best players sit out for a game or two, you think they wouldn't have done that? It's different now. We, It's a different time. It's a completely different league than it was back then. I mean, I just don't understand how people can use a comparison for somebody that played in 94 and contrast that to now. And I know... We have all types of healing mechanisms and trainers. Have, they have all of these things they can do now that they couldn't do back then to help players bounce back. I get that. But we're putting the blame on the wrong people. That's my overarching point in all this. We're blaming the wrong folks. You're blaming the players for trying to rest their bodies. And you're blaming the coaches for trying to get the players to rest their bodies when in actuality, 
they're playing more games now than they were back in the 90s. And it's wild to me that people will go like, well, you know, Jordan had to play 82 games. Why can't LeBron? LeBron's not playing 82 games anymore. You got to understand, it's an 82-game season. And on top of that, the playoffs have been expanded to where the first round isn't the best of five. It's the best of seven. So if you play seven games in the first round, and then let's say in the second round you win, you win, you win in six, and then the second, the third round you win in seven, before you even make it to the finals, that's 20 games extra. Not to mention the fact that they're letting more teams into the playoffs because of the play-in game. There are 30 teams in the NBA. 20 of these teams make the playoffs. Now, not like I'm a math teacher or something. (laughs) I I am. But doing some real quick math, that's 66.6% of the teams in the NBA. We we can round it up. That's 67% of the NBA teams make the playoffs. So, you got 67% of the teams making the playoffs. You have more games to play. Why not rest your players? You would be foolish not to rest your players. You really would. Because unless your team is super duper trash, you're going to get one of the 10 spots in your in your conference. You just are. You're going to put the fans out a little bit. There's going to be a lot of complaining, but your job as a coach is to get to the playoffs. Your job as a player is to get to the playoffs and then win in the playoffs. I mean, that kind of goes into my second um, part of the program anyway, because everybody's judging players based off of championships that they won, right? That's what people want to hear. Well, so-and-so won a championship, so-and-so won a championship, so-and-so didn't. That's kind of how it go, right? So if we're putting the onus on winning the title, these players are going to do what they have to do to win the title. The regular season is devalued. You can't devalue the regular season and then get mad at players for not playing regular season games. If you really want to fix the problem, it's pretty simple. Now, it's simple, but people are going to lose money and nobody wants to lose money, right? Here's what you do. It, it's simple. One, put the number of teams that make the playoffs back from 10 to 8. That play-in game stuff is whack anyway, man. It's really trash. Like, your reward for winning a 7th seed in your conference is to play the 8th seed for a shot at staying the 7th seed. Huh? What? Your shining moment as the AC, like your your reward for being the AC is playing the seventh seed. And then if you lose, you get to play the ninth or the tenth seed to stay in the playoffs. That's idiotic. I didn't That's, get that. that. Could you try again? You got it, Siri. Come on, man. Siri, that's the second time you did that. Is there something else I can help with? There's nothing else you can help me with, Siri. But thank you for asking. (laughs) Sure thing. Me and her having a little conversation. Uh, If if you're new to the pod, you'll kind of understand that me and her, we have conversations sometimes. She's everywhere. I don't get it. (laughs) 
But anywho, if you have this many teams making the playoffs, the smart thing to do if you want to do low management, like you want to cut that off, just lessen the number of playoff teams. It's pretty simple. So you got your eight playoff teams, right? Then after that, cut some games off at the end of the season. You really do not need 82 games in a regular season. You really don't. Nobody cares about the games in the beginning. We all care about opening night. Yay, it's awesome. But after that, it's like the season just drags on until you get to the All-Star weekend. Then after that, it's the sprint to the finish. Those are the games that we care about. After All-Star break, we care about those games, you know? So what you do is you cut the number of games from 82 even if you cut six or seven games, if you go from an 82-game season to a 76-game season, you would be surprised at how healthy you can keep players at the end of the season. I would say go from 82 to 74. That way you can kind of keep um, a little bit more of a structure where you're playing all of the um, teams from the other conference two times. Here's the reason why you won't see this. It starts with an M and it rhymes with honey. <laughs> yep, money. Right now, NBA teams have 41 home games. That's 41 teams. That's 41 different types of revenue coming in every year. If you're going to a 74-game season, what you're doing is you're asking teams to lose about four home games. That's what you're asking for. Now, it might not seem like a lot to us, but to the owners, four home games would be four revenue streams. You get to sell concessions, you're selling tickets, you're basically selling the experience four extra times. Owners don't want to lose the dough. And it's really messed up because you can help the game, you can help players stay healthy, you can increase the value of the regular season, you can make it mean more. By simply slicing games off at the end of the season. We don't need 82 games. And if you need proof, you can just go to the lockout in 1998-99. You can go to the lockout in 2011-2012. And you can see that the games mattered a lot more. Because there are only 66 of them in a season. There's like 68 of them in another one of those seasons. Now, the play was kind of sloppy. Uh, I, I won't hold you up. It was some super duper sloppy play, especially in 98, 99, because people weren't taking care of their bodies. The lockout lasted for six months. It was a mess. This isn't lockout time, though. It's not like that right now. If you have people expecting to play 74 games in a the season, there'll be a lot less load management because the games matter a little bit more. And on top of that, teams are able to stay healthier and fresher. I'm a little bit tired of playoff series coming down to who's the healthiest. It's really messed up. And then you kind of had that out with teams. You know, if we were healthy, we'd have got that dub. Come on, man. We don't know that for real. We really don't. So that's what I say. If you want lower management to go to what go away, it's really pretty simple. Cut off all of these playoff teams and just go back to eight. 
and then cut off some games. Now, people lose money when you do this. So it's going to be really difficult to push that through. But what I don't like are people complaining about the players not wanting to play and then complaining about the coaches looking out for themselves by not letting the teams play. And you're like, you know, you're cheating the fans. Yo, somebody's going to get cheated in this deal. And the NBA is just kind of looking like, you know, keep us out of it. You know, we're not we're not a part of this. It's not our fault. It is your fault. You're the reason why the coaches feel the way they feel about this and the players feel the way they feel about this. And they're taking the brunt of the heat what really is not on them. They're reacting to the system. How can you get mad at somebody for reacting to the system? It don't make sense, right? Shorten the season, NBA, man. We don't need 82 games. It's it's, it's just, you just trust it. I, I tune out until March, April for real. The season doesn't matter to me until April. <laughs> There's so many games. Now, having said that, I did peep Damian Lillard put up 71 points. And he's the second person to put up 71 points this year. Um, Donovan Mitchell did it for Cleveland earlier this year. But I hone in on Damian Lillard because that's like he's one of my favorite players in the NBA. He, he really is. Because He's that that guy that you don't see you you don't see nowadays. That guy that's loyal to his squad and he's like, if I get the dub, like if I get the title, I want to get it with Portland because that's where I'm at. That's where I started at. I helped rebuild Portland back to where they were back in the nineties when Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter and Buck Williams was out there doing their thing. Dang, I'm old. But hey, the, the Trailblazers was on top back then. They just couldn't get over that hump. And, and plus, MJ was stopping a whole lot of people from getting over the hump. So you can't be too ashamed about that. But I like how Damian Lillard was doing it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting shade on Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Russell Westbrook or anybody else that kind of bounced around and went from team to team to get those rings. You got to do what you got to do. Everybody has their own method of doing what they have to do. And I'm not here to knock anybody because you do what you have to do, especially in the culture where it's all about, but did they get a ring? But did they get a ring? And people want to fill in that check mark on their resume. But I like how Lillard's doing it because he's sticking to him. He's, he's being true to himself. I feel like if you watch Damian Lillard move to a different team, like if he moved to Phoenix or if he moved to Utah or something like that, I think he would look at it like I kind of failed, not because he moved and not because he didn't get a ring, but because he didn't stay true to who, true to who he was. That's the thing. If you feel like, you know what, if I get a ring and I don't really, I don't really care where I get it from, as long as I get it, I'm good, then I'm happy for you. You live in your truth. If you're like Damian Lillard and you're like, you know what? I could go somewhere else and get a ring, but it would just feel so good to bring it to a place where I started from. That's excellent. Plus, you look back and you see guys like, I don't know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who 
listen to the haters. Everybody's like, you know what? I got to get out of Milwaukee. You you should get out of Milwaukee. That's the only way you're going to get a ring, this, that, and the third. And he shut them up, and he got the ring in Milwaukee. And now he just balling. He like he got he got that weight off his shoulders, you know. What I don't want for Damian Lillard is for haters to come at him reckless if he doesn't get a ring. Like he spends 15, 16, 17 years in Portland and he doesn't get a ring. People are gonna look at that like he was a failure. And that could be that's so far from the truth. How does somebody end up on the NBA 75th anniversary team? Basically saying he's one of the 75 greatest players of all time. And he's a failure because he didn't win a ring? Really? That's that's ridiculous. And I know it's quote-unquote all about the ring. But is it though? Is it really all about the ring? I know we sit up here on podcasts and we sit up on talk shows and we talk to our friends and we go like, you know, if, it's not a, if you don't get the ring, then... I mean, what was you really doing it for? And, and I get it. That's really the goal when you play a season, to get the ring. But let's say you're a dentist. <laughs> let, let, let's say you're a dentist. And you do your dentistry thing for 30 years. You never get dentist of the year in the state or in the region. You, you're never looked at like that. You decide to retire from dentistry. Would you look at your dentistry career and go like, man, I was a failure. I was never noted as best dentist in my city or my state. I never won those. I never won those accolades. Would you look at it like you were a failure? Or would you look back at the 30 years of dentistry and start thinking about all the families that you helped? Sometimes you went out in the neighborhoods and you did dental work for free. You have an awesome family. You did everything you were supposed to do, and you felt like you did it right. Would you look at yourself as a failure? I'm sure the answer is no, right? That's where I feel like Damian Lillard is. I feel like we should look at his career when it's all said and done the same way that we look at pretty much everybody's career. You have to look at everything. Like, when I think about Dan Marino's career, he didn't win a title. He only went to one Super Bowl. I look at him as one of the five best quarterbacks that ever played the game. And I don't knock him down because, well, he didn't get a ring, so he can't be top five. Nah, man. Like, I watched Dan Marino play. I think he went through, like, I think four or five straight years where he didn't even get sacked. Because his release was just so fat, I, I might be overstating that. But I know he went through a long stretch of time where he just didn't get sacked. Because nobody could touch him. He got the ball out that fast. It was like, ball was gone. And then somebody comes and tells me, nah, he can't be top five because he never won a ring. Man, get you out of here. I know what I saw. <laughs> I know I saw one of the best QBs to ever do it play for Miami. That's That's just flat out. We got to look at everything. And I understand that, you know, stats are going to be more inflated than they were back in the day because in football, they throw the ball a lot more. In basketball, they light up threes like it's crazy. But trust your eyes, man. 
go past the numbers because I know everybody got like the stats, like plus minus rate and all of that. As a math teacher, that excites me. <laughs> but as a sports fan, I'm like, dude, I know when I see greatness. People knock LeBron down because he um, went to the finals four times, right? But he, quote unquote, only has three or four rings. Listen to yourself. Only three or four rings. There are people chasing rings, and he got three or four. But no, nah, he went to the finals ten times. He should have seven or eight. Do you know how hard it is to go to the finals ten times? Like, there was a long stretch. I would just joke with people. Like, LeBron was the finals. If you're watching the finals, you're watching LeBron. Like, LeBron had a ring-size seat at the finals every single year. That That's amazing. The Buffalo Bills are an amazing franchise to me because they went to the they went to the Super Bowl four straight times. Oh uh, no, LP, they was trash though, man. Like they lost every single time. They lost four straight. I saw the Bills for four straight years run over people in the AFC, run over people in the NFC. They just couldn't beat them in the Super Bowl, and it had to be frustrating to Bills fans everywhere, but. You can't tell me that the Bills from 90 to 94 weren't one of the best teams of all time. You can't tell me that. I mean, you can, but then I would look at you and go like, real simple. Look at the Bills teams from that time period and just count the Hall of Famers. I I challenge you to do that. Just count the number of Hall of Famers that that, that played for the Bills from 90 to 94. You're going to go like, damn, how did they not win a title? And that's what we're saying. We don't know. Sports is just weird like that, man. You can have like a team that's not but, but they just real mid-range, real mediocre. And they win a title. And then you'll have teams like the Buffalo Bills. You'll have teams like the Miami team back in the day. Amazing teams. Just didn't get it done. So... If we're judging based off of that and that alone, almost nobody is a success. Almost everybody is a failure. Only one team can win an NBA title every year, right? So every other team failed? (laughs) Is that what we're saying? One team won, and all of the other teams failed. So if Sacramento doesn't win a title this year, their, their season is considered a failure. Forget the fact that this is like their first winning season in like forever. Their season's a failure, right? I encourage you to look at the full spectrum of a player like Damian Lillard before we decide to cast him out and say he needs to move somewhere, he needs to do this, that, and the third. And just look at everything that he's done in and around Portland for the team in general, not even individually. Just look at what he's done for his team since he's got drafted. And then tell me that he's a failure if he doesn't win a ring. Now, of course, he's there to get a ring. That's the goal. It's always the goal. I'm not saying I forget about the ring. That's the goal. But he's a a success for whatever. Win a ring or not. If Burrow continues on the track that he's on and doesn't get a ring, I'm not about to call him a failure. Andrew Luck's not a failure. 
Philip Rivers is not a failure. Like, I mean, not to me. There may be people out there like, nah, he was trash. He didn't get a ring. Dude, look at the numbers. It, it, it's just wild thinking to me. I feel like that's where we are now. And it would be a good idea to just kind of shift away from that and judge people based on what they did. Because if you're looking based on what they did and looking through that lens, you'll have a whole lot more successes than what we're talking about right now. That, that's all I'm saying. Look at the entirety of the picture and not just that one part. Did you get a ring? That's just weird to me. I don't know. Um, Quick snowfall recap. Said we keep this under five minutes. I think I can do this in five minutes. Uh, probably less than that. Um, I promise that I wouldn't um, live tweet <laughs> through snowfall. They had me tweeting just a little bit. Um, and it was for one reason. There was a scene where um Big Romy Rome, Big Jerome, um, without giving away spoilers, did something pretty wild. And everybody's like, How could you do that? Like like we, we hold Jerome get capped, now we hold Jerome get killed. Like <laughs> he can't just be doing that. And I'm looking like, Did you watch the entire show? Have you seen this from S1E1, because if you did, while I'm not encouraging what he did, I agree. It was extremely wild. Look at who he did that to and ask yourself, did he want to do that before? Was he kind of sort of within his rights to do that because of what that person did? I was just surprised that people were just, you know, going hard against Jerome. And I'm like, dude. Did you see what she did? Do you remember what happened a couple of seasons before? She, I won't say she had it coming. Maybe that's a little bit too far. But I will say this. I wasn't surprised that he did it. Not for real. I feel like he always wanted to. He would have tried to do it before. Had Franklin Saint not stepped in. So... I don't know. It just didn't really surprise me. Now, how he did it surprised the hell out of me. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> now, I'm not going to lie to you on that. I'm like, whoa. Somebody get this, man? But what he did, like the end result, yeah, kind of saw that coming. And people were like a little outraged. And I'm like, well, again, why I don't condone that nonsense, um, you definitely could have went a different route, champ. But... The reasoning, yeah, I kind of get it. Um, episode three is coming on on Wednesday. It's it's getting dark, y'all. We were told that it would get dark. If you understand the history of what happened in cities like Los Angeles back in the eighties, then you knew the ending wouldn't be nice for anybody. So people who really shouldn't be surprised about what happens to these characters. Um, it's really telling the tale accurately, I say, from the lens of different people that's in it. So definitely catch the next one. I'll do my five minute brief synopsis. Uh, I might end up doing spoilers next time because I'm like, dude, y'all should be on this by now. <laughs> so I hope I did that without a spoiler. Yeah, no, I don't think I told exactly what happened, uh, just who did it and 
a vague rationale. <laughs> so hopefully I'll pull that off. Um, my movie recommendation for y'all for this week. Yeah, I got one. Yeah. Um, this is uh one of me one of my, me and my brother's movies that we like to watch. It was kind of a go to back in the day for us as we were like older teenagers. Uh, the movie is called The Walking Dead. Not that Walking Dead. It's not that one. This Walking Dead movie was out way before that show became a thing. So to kind of set it up for you, um, this happens in in Vietnam. You have a platoon that gets dropped down into a certain section where a war is taking place and they get disconnected from their entire platoon and they have to figure out a way to navigate through the jungles and the, um, and the leafy areas and whatnot to get back to their rally point so they can get airlifted back, back to base. Um, think the five bloods that Spike Lee did but think about that 20 years before, because this was like mid-90s. What makes it so good is that they go back and they do all of these flashbacks to show you how each person ended up serving in Vietnam. And the flashbacks are awesome because the actors are awesome. This is one of the first roles I've seen Eddie Griffin doing, you know, Eddie Griffin, the comic but it wasn't a comedic role. So I didn't know him as a comedian <laughs> until I saw him on like Def Comedy Jam and stuff like that. Cause I was like, dude, he a comic? He had funny, he had funny sayings in the movie, but this is not a comedy movie. It's a drama. So I'm watching Eddie Griffith and I'm like, damn, he a pretty good actor. And then see him doing this comedy thing. I'm like, wow, he's a really good actor. Uh, Alan Payne's in it. Joe Morton put on like a tremendous uh, performance in this. Uh, Vontae Sweet, I think. It might be Vontae Sweet. I got to think. I- I'm not sure if that's him or not. Uh, whoever the guy was that played um, Sharif in um, <laughs> Minister Society, that's who this is. Uh, Bernie Mac has a quick pop-up. It's a really good movie. Um, and... It shows how a lot of different things go into why people enlist in war. Um, It was one of those movies where it was mainly a black cast and the acting was just tremendous in it. It There was was some really good moments in this movie. So I I highly recommend it. Uh, My brother and I, we got this thing where sometimes we're like, We'll watch it together from different places. So, like, you know, we'll be FaceTiming each other or, like, on the phone with each other. We'll be watching it at the same time. Dumb stuff that we do. I don't know. But <laughs> um, check it out. Let me know what you think about it. Um, it it's, it. it's always been one of those movies that make you think. So let me know what you think about it. Um, good, bad. Why did you recommend this to me? Ooh, give me another one because it was awesome. Let me know. And we're going to go ahead and roll out for this week. Enjoy some XFL football. <laughs> and, and enjoy some, uh, yeah, we got conference championships coming up in, um, in the NCAA. So definitely enjoy that. That's, that's like one of the best times of the year for yours truly. So 100% waiting for March Madness. And we'll get into some other stuff next week too, y'all. So until next week, as always, life is good.
Peace out. If you're not ready for the conversation to end, I'm not either. Make sure to catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. Leave off the G at the end of it, and we can keep the conversation going. Also, don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes. The episodes will drop every Tuesday. If there's a change in that, I'll make sure to let you know. Appreciate the support. As always, life is good. Music